The title of my teaching tonight is Thy Kingdom Come. It's part five on our series or in our series on the Lord's Prayer. And it's taken from Matthew chapter six, verses nine to 13. And also in Luke chapter 11, verses one to 10, where Jesus said to his disciples, when you pray, pray then like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I pause to remind us that according to Christ, it's always all about the Father. Amen? It's all about His name and it's all about His kingdom and it's all about His will and not ours. In the first two verses of Christ's prayer, he reminds us that it's all about his glory and it's all about his reputation. It's all about his person and his position and his plan and not our own. The, the first two verses remind us that when we come to God, it has to be about him first and we must put him first. Amen. Because how many of you know God himself? You said, you shall have no other gods before me. So when we come to God in prayer, we have to put him first. Then after putting the Father first, Jesus turns the attention to us when he says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. But we find that Jesus doesn't end the prayer there either because after drawing our attention or drawing attention to our needs, Jesus then turns the prayer back to God once again when he says, For yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory forever and ever. Now, some of you might think, well, what's that have to do with anything? But what it teaches us, church, is that prayer must begin with God and prayer must end with God as well. Prayer must begin with God in His rightful place and prayer must end with God in His rightful place as well. What this formula teaches us is that, that we should never start our prayers focused on ourselves and we should never end our prayers focused on ourselves, but we should rather be focused on God instead. You see, the reality is when you go to prayer, you should go to prayer focused on God and not your problem. When you go to prayer, you should be focused on God and not your obstacle. When you go to, to prayer, you should be focused on God and not your hurdle or not your sickness or not your disease or not your trial or not your tribulation or not your sadness or not your sorrow. What Jesus is teaching us here is that when we go to prayer, we have to go focused on God. We shouldn't be focused on things below church. We should be focused on the Father. We should be focused on things above. We should be focused on Jesus Christ, who's seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding for the saints. How many of you know that right now Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for every need you have? He knows the needs that we have before they even cross over our lips. So that's one of the reasons why we need to focus on things above when we go to prayer. we got to have our eyes and our hearts and our minds set to the Father and set to Jesus Christ, who's interceding for our needs. This is how we enter into prayer, church. You see, the reality is if we go into prayer focused on our need or if we go into prayer focused on our giant or we go into prayer focused on our obstacle church, 
will never be able to pray with faith believing. But far too often that's what we do. We rush into the presence of God focused on our need and focused on our obstacle and focused on the headache and the heartache of the day and the sadness and the sorrow that surrounds us instead of positioning God properly and turning our attention to our Father which is in heaven. You see, when we position Him properly and we focus on Him properly, all the cares of life and all of the concerns of life, they become smaller in our sight and smaller in our view. When we focus on the Father, we can pray with faith, believing that He is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what I can ask or even imagine that He's capable of doing. We start our prayers or we must start our prayers focused on the Father or we will never be able to pray believing. You see, when you go into your prayer closet focused on you, your prayers will be weak. But when you go into your prayer closet or you enter into prayer focused on the Father, your prayers become empowered because you're not trusting on you. You're trusting on God. And when we trust in God and we have our eyes set on God, our prayers become more powerful, church. Listen, the devil, could, the devil wants you to be focused on the things that he's put in your way. Because he knows that as soon as you focus on God, something happens. He knows that when you go into that prayer closet focused on God, instead of all of the hell that he's put in your path, that God will move hell out of the way. We must pray focused on the Father. When we enter into prayer, our focus must be on the Father and not on ourselves, church. When we come out of prayer... We must be focused on the Father as well. This is exactly what the the Word is teaching us. Listen, there's nothing wrong with you praying your needs. Jesus turns in His own prayer, He turns the attention to the needs that we have. He turns His attention to the temptations and the trials and the difficulties and and the things that we need in life. But He doesn't end there. He doesn't end focused on our need. He doesn't end focused on our mess. He turns our attention back to the Father once again and says, For thy, yours is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever and ever. You see, here's what happens when you come out of the prayer closet. If you're focused on the trouble that you were talking to God about, you'll never walk by faith. When you come out of the prayer closet, you need to turn your attention back to our Father which is in heaven because He's the one that gives you strength and He's the one that gives you hope and He's the one that gives you healing and He's the one that gives you provision and He's the one that gives you power and He's the one that gives you joy and He's the one that gives you strength. So when you come out of your prayer closet, you better make sure you got your eyes set back on the Father. Because if you got your, your eyes set on Goliath and the problems and the troubles, you will never walk by faith. You will always walk by sight. So this is what Jesus is teaching us. And this is what I hope that you understand. That when we go into prayer, look at Jesus' prayer. Remember, he said, pray then this way. He said, pray like this, pray in this fashion, use this formula, use this model. And what this model teaches us is that when we enter into prayer, our eyes have to be on God. And when we come out of the prayer closet, our eyes have to still be on God. 
That's how we walk over all of the things that the devil will try to bring our way, church. But when we get our eyes off of God, guess what happens? We're like Peter who stepped out of the boat and he walked on water because he had his eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of his faith. But as soon as he looked at the storm, guess what happened? His faith diminished and he sank in, he sank in the problem. If what this teaches us, is that when we go into prayer, we have to be focused on God. When we come out, we have to be focused on Him as well because He's the one that fuels our faith. Because He's the one that is the author. We go into prayer, author. We come out of prayer, the finisher. He's the one that's the author and the finisher of our faith, church. He has to author our prayers and He has to finish our prayers as well. So tonight what I want us to look at specifically is verse 10. That was just the foundation I want to look at verse 10 where Jesus said, Thy kingdom come. And then there's a period. And then next week we'll look at Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But how many of you know if there were ever a time we needed His kingdom to come, it's today. If there were ever a time we needed His kingdom and His power and His glory to come into a wicked and a wayward world, it's today. Amen? If there were ever a time we needed His kingdom to come into our marriages, it's today. If there was ever a time we needed His kingdom and, and the power of His kingdom to come into our households and into our families and, listen to me, even into our churches, it's today. There's so many churches out there that are dead. And they need the, the kingdom power to come into their, into their midst. But if there's ever a time that we needed the kingdom of God to come, it's today. And that's what we're going to look at. Thy kingdom come. I know we missed a couple of weeks in this series because of bad weather one week and baptism next or last week, I believe it was. So I, what I need to do is just get us caught up real quick. I don't have a lot of time, so I'm just going to run through it real quick. And in part one of the series, we looked at the disciples' request, which was, Lord, teach us to pray, reminding us that effective prayer life begins with a personal desire to pray. It begins with us being willing to be taught by the Master. Amen? Willing to learn His ways instead of our ways. Willing to be instructed by Him. Willing to put ourselves under His tutelage and to be made into a disciple of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, teach us to pray. How many are thankful He's a teacher? A good teacher. Amen? In part two, we looked at our Father, or the word aboon, which we learned is the Aramaic word for our Father. In the Aramaic prayer, Jesus prayed, our Father was one word, not two, like in the English. And what that taught us was this. It taught us that we are now one with God. We're one with each other. We're one with God because we are one with Jesus Christ. Remember, prior to Jesus, it was us apart from God. It was us separated from God. It was God inside the holy place and us outside the holy place. But now, because of Jesus Christ, we can enter in and we are now one with the Father. In part three, we looked at our heavenly Father or our Father which is in heaven. And that reminds us that our help comes from the Lord, the creator of heaven and earth. Amen? It reminds us that our help comes from a higher hand and a higher place. Our, our Father, which art in heaven, reminds us that, that our Father, or spiritual Father, has no earthly limitations. Amen? That whatever we ask of Him in prayer, He's capable of doing. Because with our heavenly Father, church, all things are possible. In part four, we looked at the nature of our Father, which is holy, holy, holy. Amen? 
reminding us that when we come into his presence, we're to come with reverence and awe. We need to know before whom we stand, we learned, which is the Holy One of Israel. Hallowed be thy name reminds us that we are to guard our steps when we come into his presence because he is holy. And once we have this understanding that I just covered real quick, once we have positioned God properly as our Father who is holy and in heaven, then we have to position ourselves as well, which is under his authority. How many of you know if you call yourself a Christian, you're supposed to be living under his authority? Not in opposition to his authority or not over his authority or not even beside his authority. We are to be living under his authority. Please understand it's one thing for us to put ourselves under his tutelage. It's one thing to put ourselves under his training. It's one thing for us to call him teacher, but it's another thing to call him Lord. It's another thing for us to put ourselves under his rule and under his reign. It's one thing for us to say, God, teach me, but it's another thing to say, God, own me. It's one thing for us to say, God, direct me, but it's another thing to say, God, arrest me. And this is what we have to understand. The the words, thy kingdom come and thy will be done, it's putting ourselves under God's authority. You see, at the beginning of this prayer, the, 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 the disciple, all he asked was, Lord, teach us to pray. But what Jesus taught him was that in order for the kingdom to come into your life, you need to come under my authority. You need to let me own you. You need to let me rule in you and reign in you and not just teach you. It's one thing, like I said, to put ourselves under his tutelage. It's another thing to put ourselves under his reign. Thy kingdom come demonstrates a willingness to put ourselves in proper position with God. I know the traditional teaching on the Lord's Prayer says or believes that the first petition or the first request, you would say, is hallowed be thy name. But there's many theologians believe that the first petition in the prayer is actually give us this day our daily bread. Because the thought is this, we should never petition God until we position him first. Meaning we should never ask God to recognize our needs until we're willing to recognize his glory. We should never ask God to recognize our name until we're willing to recognize his name. And his name is holy. And his name is Lord. And his name is Alpha and Omega. The first and the last. The beginning and the end. And we should, what what this theology teaches us is that we should never ask God to recognize our name until we recognize his. You see, here is the reality. The reality is unless you are a born-again believer washed in the blood of the Lamb, grafted into the vine of Jesus Christ with the DNA of God Himself in your life, He will not hear your prayers. You can cry out all you want to God, but the only prayer He hears from the sinner is, Have mercy on me, O God, a sinner, recognizing the fact that I am nothing without God, recognizing the fact that I need Him, church. 
So here's one of the things that we have to understand is that we should position God properly before we petition God. And that's what we do when we say, Thy kingdom come and Thy will be done. We should never ask God to move in our kingdom until we're yielded to His kingdom. You see, the reality is there's a lot of people in the house of God that want God to move in their life. They want His kingdom to move in their life but they're not willing to yield to His kingdom. They want the power of God to overcome the enemy in their life, but they're not willing to come under the authority of God in their life. They're not willing to yield themselves to His Word or to His ways. They want His power to come, and they want His kingdom to come, and they they want the enemy to be defeated in their life, but they've not yet come to the place where they've put themselves under God's authority. But that's what we do, church, when we pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. One of the things we have to understand is that to make a petition, in the original text, meant to make a, meant this. It meant to make a formal request. Appealing to the authority of a government Appealing to the authority of an official or appealing to the authority of a king. And how many of you know that's what prayer is? Prayer is us appealing to the authority and the power of the king of kings and the lord of lords. That's what we do when we go to the Lord in prayer. We are appealing to His kingdom. We are appealing to His authority. We are appealing to His power, church. And He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it's why we have to understand this prayer. We cannot make an appeal to the King lightly, church. We have to understand His position and we have to understand our position as well. What we find Jesus teaching in verses 9 and 10 is that before we ask for bread, before we make a formal request of the King, We must first recognize the king and honor the king. We must first recognize his person, which is our father or Abba Father. We must recognize his place, which is in heaven. He's higher than us, church. The Bible says his ways are higher than my ways and his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. As high as the heaven is above for the earth, so are his ways higher than my ways and his thoughts higher than my thoughts, church. That's how high God is. And yet so often we fail to, to come to Him with that understanding that He's higher than us, church. But that's what we have to do. We must recognize His holiness. We must recognize His power. How many of you know that His holiness is His power? His holiness is His power. The Bible says He is holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. If he wasn't holy, he would have no power. But he is powerful because he is holy. There is no one holy, the Bible says, like the Lord. So what we have to understand, we have to position him properly. And we do that when we hallow his name. That's what all verses 9 and 10 deal with. It's positioning God and positioning ourselves. It's putting God in his rightful place and us as ours. Verses 9 and 10 remind us that he's the father and we're the children. That he's the potter and we're the clay. That he's the king and we are his people, church. 
verses 9 and 10. And I know this is teachy, but we need to learn the Word of God. Verses 9 and 10 are the submissive side of the prayer. Verses 9 and 10 are the surrender side of the prayer. When we say, Thy kingdom come, Thy kingdom come, we're submitting to His kingdom. When we say, Thy kingdom come, we are yielding to His kingdom and positioning ourselves under His kingdom. What these two verses teach us is that our top priority should be to have God's rule established in our lives, church. It should be to have His governing authority established and reigning in our lives and not our own. Remember, to make a petition means to make a formal request to a governing authority. And the truth is this, unless we are yielded to that authority, unless we're surrendered to that authority, like I said, the request won't be heard. Unless we're yielded to the government of God, the government of God can't help us, church. The reason that God is, or Jesus is teaching this prayer isn't just so He can lord it over us. He's teaching us how the power of His kingdom can be loosed in our lives so we can experience victory over darkness. So that we can experience victory over the kingdom of darkness, church. So that we can come under God's rule so that we can live over Satan's rule. Amen? It's why we pray, Thy kingdom come. Please remember, this word or this prayer was taught to Jesus' yielded disciples. A lot of people think that this is a universal prayer, but it's not. This was the disciples' prayer, church. This was the prayer that was reserved for the righteous, because the Bible tells me the prayer of the righteous man availeth much. Jesus didn't teach this prayer to the world. He didn't say that any sinner can pray this prayer and and the kingdom of God will move on its behalf. This was the disciples' prayer. And there's a difference in that church. Because the truth is, if your life is filled with sin or compromise, this isn't how you are to pray. If you're not yielded to His kingdom, if you're not yielded to His word, if you're not yielded to His will, this isn't how we are supposed to pray. If we're not yielded uh, or willing to be taught by the teacher and not willing to be ruled by the king, then this is not how we are to pray. For the individual that's not living right for God, the individual that is living in opposition to God or in enmity with God, these words are powerless. They can pray them over and over and over again. They can pray them till they're blue in the face. But until they or we are yielded to God, these words are powerless. And they will not do anything in our lives, but understand me, when we are yielded, when He is positioned properly and we are positioned properly, then guess what? The power of His kingdom can come into our lives and we can live victorious lives. The Lord's Prayer was taught to those who were willing to lay down their nets and follow Him. You see, the question is, when we, you know, one of the thoughts that we have to have is when we go to quote this When we go to quote this prayer, we find ourselves in the middle of a mess, and a lot of us do that, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't, and I'm not saying that we can't. A lot of times when you find yourselves in a a place of heartache or sadness or sorrow or, or deep difficulty, this might be the only prayer that we can think of. We begin to pray this prayer, but the reality is the prayer is ineffective unless we first do what I've already taught, focus on God and yield to His authority. 
There is a humbling that, that has to take place in order for the kingdom of God to move in our lives. And this is what Jesus is teaching us. He's not just teaching us words. He's teaching us the condition of the heart that we must have. And he's teaching us the order in which we should pray. We should make sure that God is in his rightful place and we are as well. Thy kingdom come reminds us that our top priority should be to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the Bible says, and then all of these other things, all of these things shall be added unto you. You see, the reality is Jesus understands and God understands that there are other things that we might have need of in life. But please understand what he called them. Things. Seek first the kingdom of God. How many of you know the kingdom of God is not a thing? How many of you know the kingdom of God is not some little dime store trinket? The kingdom of God is eternal. The kingdom of God is power. The kingdom of God is holiness and righteousness. The kingdom of God is joy. And the kingdom of God is power. And God said, Jesus said, if you would seek first the kingdom of God and the face of God and the character of God... If you would seek first the holiness of God and the righteousness of God, then all of these other tiny little trinkets shall be added unto you. But what do we do as believers? We spend our whole entire life seeking after tiny little trinkets instead of the face and the glory of God. We spend our lives agonizing for, for tiny little trinkets instead of seeking the face of God and the, the glory of God and the power of God. But God said, if you would seek first my kingdom... Seek first. You know what his kingdom is? It's not just a place either. It is power. And if you would seek first my kingdom, all of these other things shall be added unto you. I know a lot of people might disagree with me, but God doesn't mind you having things as long as you have him first. And what God is teaching, as long as you keep me first, I'll give you some things. You keep me first, I'll give you a nice car, but it's a thing. I'll give you a nice house, but it's a thing. I'll give you some clothes, but it's a thing. I might give you a little bling now and then, but keep in mind, it's a thing. It's a thing that will pass away. It's a thing that will rust. It's a thing that will not last forever, but my kingdom shall never come to an end. Amen. This is what we have to understand about Jesus' prayer. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these other things shall be added unto you. We shouldn't have to... Here's the deal. We fret over these things. We worry over these things. And we're anxious over these things. But what was it Jesus said? Don't worry about these things. Because worrying about them doesn't even add a single cubit to your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you wear. Don't worry about your car. Don't worry about your house. Don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about these puny little passing things. Worry about the kingdom of God. And all of these things shall be added unto you. This is what he's teaching us in this prayer. This is what's behind this. Thy kingdom come. 
It's making sure it is a confession that there is nothing more important to me or my life than the kingdom of God. That should be at the beginning. There's nothing more important in my life than the kingdom of God. Please understand, when we seek anything before we seek His kingdom, we're seeking incorrectly. When we seek anything this world can offer us before we seek His kingdom, church, we will never be satisfied. You can even seek for your daily bread, and there's nothing wrong with that, even according to the Word of God. But if you don't seek first the kingdom of God, that bread will never satisfy Because the reality is there's only one that can satisfy the thirsty and there's only one that can fill the hungry with all good things. Listen, you got to find the baker before you find the bread. And this is what he's trying to teach us. If you want some bread, go looking for the baker. If you want some healing, go looking for the healer. If you want some provision, go looking for the provider. If you want some peace, go looking for the peacemaker. Don't look for the thing. Look for the creator, church. But this is what this is the problem with our prayer life today. It's filled with looking for things instead of looking for God. It's filled, uh, 90% of our prayer life is consumed with a focus on us instead of a focus on the Father. The house of God is filled with individuals that don't even know how to recognize God in their prayers because their whole life has been about recognizing their need. Again, there's nothing wrong with, with recognizing our need. Or bringing it before God. But please understand that need becomes so little in comparison to the, to the kingdom of God which he wants us to focus on. Because that lets us understand. Listen, when you're not focused on your little need but you're focused on your big God. I said it in the beginning. It makes believing for that little thing so much easier. But when we focus on those things all the time, oh, man, am I ever going to get that? God, you ever going to do this? Because we're focused on the wrong thing. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things shall be added unto you, church. The main reason that so many of us are still hungry and so many are still lacking in our spirit is because we aren't praying, thy kingdom come. We're praying, my kingdom come instead. We're praying, give me this and give me that and I need this and I need that and do the, please do this and please do that for me. Unfortunately, far too often, our prayer life is nothing more than a grocery list, church, and, and praying, my kingdom come. That's not the prayer Jesus is teaching us to pray. He's asking us, please, understand this. I didn't even get to talk to you in the beginning about this because... There's just so much I can't get it all in. But what Jesus is teaching us by putting God in the beginning and God in the end, what that's teaching us in our needs right in the middle, what that's teaching us is what we have to do is put our needs right in the hand of God. Put Him first and put Him last. Let Him wrap Himself around your need. That's what Jesus is doing in this prayer. He's wrapping the need in the kingdom of God. But we don't do that in prayer. We're not wrapping our needs in in the kingdom of God. 
We're not wrapping our needs in prayer. Uh, I mean, in faith and, and the power of the kingdom. We wrap our prayers in doubt. And we wrap our prayers in fear. And we wrap our prayers in depression. And we wrap our prayers in anxiousness instead of wrapping our prayers in faith in God. Thy kingdom come. Thank you, Willie. I hope you all getting this because this is transforming to me. And if we could just understand what Jesus is teaching us, the church and the king, the church of God would be filled with fire. Our prayer lives would be different. The kingdom would be moving differently, church. One of the greatest reasons our prayers aren't being answered is because we're too busy building our own kingdom rather than God's. Too busy establishing our own rules. Too busy establishing our own government. Too busy establishing our own place of power instead of God's church. We're too busy storing up tiny little trinkets on on earth instead of in heaven. But Jesus said, when you pray, pray then like this. Thy kingdom come. Because when we do, we are confessing that, that, that He is more important than anything else. When we pray, Thy kingdom come, we are confessing that, that we are more concerned about our Father's kingdom than our own. More concerned about His government and His glory than our own. Thy kingdom come paves the way for God's will to be done in our life. If you're not willing to pray... Thy kingdom come, if you're not willing to yield yourself to God's authority in your life, if you're not willing to, to, allow, God to, to allow God to rule and reign in your life, if you can't pray, Thy kingdom come, His will will never be done in your life. That's what we need to understand. It's why Jesus said it that way, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, which we'll look at next week. But tonight, we need to understand that Thy kingdom come is a cry of surrender. And it has to be at the heart of every prayer. Because God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Thy kingdom come can actually be viewed more as a release than a request. Releasing God's authority to rule in our life. Church, do you understand? It can be viewed more of a surrender and a submission than actually a supplication. What thy, what thy kingdom come is saying is, I surrender all. I surrender all. I give you my hopes. I give you my dreams. I give, I give you. I surrender it to you. Thy kingdom come. I surrender to your rule and to your reign and to your governing authority over my life. Thy kingdom come. How many of you know we need more surrender in the house of God. I'll be the first to say I need, I need more surrender in my own life. Amen? I think we all need more surrender, but this is what this is teaching us. And Jesus is teaching us that thy kingdom come is a form of surrender. And that's what God is expecting us to do. We need to surrender. Amen? I'm going to begin to wind this down and call them to the music because I'm trying to figure out which way I want to close this out and how much I want to impart Another meaning behind thy kingdom come would actually be a petition. Because it also reflects a request being made to the government of God. Remember, that's what a petition is. It's making a formal request to the authority of a government. A formal request to the authority of a king. 
And I told you that's what prayer is. It is making a formal request to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords. So, so actually, thy kingdom come can be viewed as a petition as well because it reflects a request being made to the government of God. It's a request for the power of His kingdom to come and defeat the power of the kingdom of darkness. How many of you know if there was ever a time that we needed the power of His kingdom to come? It's today. If there was ever a time we needed the power of His kingdom to come to the Middle East, it's today. To come into Africa, it's today. To come into Europe, today. If there was ever a time when we needed the power of God's kingdom to come and set the oppressed free, it's today, church. This world is filled with evil. It's filled with terrorism Terrorism is nothing but a form of oppression, church. And if there's ever a time that we needed the kingdom power to come and set the captives free or to overcome the oppressor, it's today. Amen? If there ever a time we needed His kingdom to come into the schoolrooms, it's today. If there ever a time we needed the kingdom of God or the power of His kingdom to come into our courtrooms, it's today. We need the kingdom of God to come into the the boardrooms of the offices. We need the kingdom of God to even come into our bedrooms, church. We need the kingdom of God to come into Wall Street and Washington. We need the kingdom of God to come into our own streets and into our own homes. I said it earlier, we need the kingdom of God to come even into the house of God. Because it's lacking power, church. But for that to happen... His kingdom has to first be established in our hearts. Amen? Don't expect God's kingdom to move in your marriage. Don't expect God's kingdom to move in your finances. Don't expect God's kingdom to move in your workplace or move in your ministry or move in our land or move anywhere across this globe unless we first allowed it to move in our heart. You see, it's one thing for us to say, don't want to be duplicitous here. It's one thing for us to say, God, come and rule over, come and rule over my sickness. Come and rule over my finances. Come and rule over my marriage. Come and rule over the enemy. Come and rule over this obstacle. It's one thing to pray that, but it's another thing to say, God, come and rule over my heart. Come and rule over my will. Come and rule over my ways. Come and rule over my wants and my desires. But that's what this portion of prayer means. Thy kingdom come means come and rule. We can't just ask God to come and rule over the obstacles and rule over the enemy until He first rules and reigns over us. And here's why. Because when He rules and reigns in us, then we rule and reign over the enemy. And we rule and reign over the darkness. And we rule and reign over the sickness. You want to rule and reign over the enemy? Let God rule and reign over you. Amen? Let His kingdom come. How many of you want to rule over the enemy? Stand to your feet. And bless the Lord. Amen? We rule and reign when we allow God to rule and reign in us. 
His kingdom comes with His power, with His authority, with His strength, with His provision, protection, whatever else you want to put in there. But His kingdom comes when we're willing to say, Thy kingdom come. How many of you got a better understanding of what that means tonight? It's not just three pretty words, amen? It's saying, thy kingdom come. So here's the question tonight. How many of you are willing to pray that portion of the prayer? How many of you are here tonight and say, God, standing before you, I'm willing to pray, thy kingdom come. I'm willing to yield to your authority I'm willing to to yield to your rule and reign in my life because I know that when you rule, I reign. How many of you want to reign? Then he needs to rule. Amen? So just lift up your hands. It's a sign of surrender. Thy kingdom come. You pray in your words. I'm going to pray in mine. Here's what I'm going to ask tonight. If you specifically want to demonstrate your devotion to God... And say, God, here I want, here, here I am. I want you to rule and reign in me. I'm going to give you the opportunity just to come forward and just stand right here at the, at the altar. You can do it wherever you want. But if you want to make that, that farther demonstration, God, here I am to let you rule and reign in my life. I, let, I just ask you to come. Amen.